Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. You know, sometimes when it begins to rain, it starts to sprinkle a little bit and then it rains hard later. And have you ever been in a rain where it started out with big drops? It didn't start out with a sprinkle. There's a boom and then a boom and a boom. That's what I think is happening right now. It's not starting out like a sprinkle. It's like boom. Somebody, you go, wow, look what God did with that person. And then boom, wow, look what God did with that person. You see, it's not starting out like a sprinkle. It's starting out like a big drop there and a big drop there. I just can't wait until it just begins to flood everything. I, I believe that's going to be an amazing experience. I believe we're going to encounter God in a dimension uh, like none of us ever have before. Um, the sad thing is, it's so interesting to me how you never know what's going to happen. And sometimes individuals that you you are believing will be at the front part of that end up going to the wayside and you go, that's the craziest thing, how that happens, you know. But um, the, the, the power of God is present today. The power of God is so needed today. There's so much darkness in this world right now. And there's so much darkness in this nation. Now, I want to just, I mean, we could go into depth, and I'm not one that's uh, as good at doing that as some, where you can go into the depths and the details of all the things that, of darkness that are happening. Um, and I, I just want to mention some of these because I think it's important that we don't become like the proverbial frog that gets which are really gross things if you ever watch what they eat and <laughs> you go, oh, wow. Anyway, the, the proverbial frog that gets boiled in the water that slowly, um, it, you know, you get the, of course, you know the story how a frog, if you put him in warm water and then you could turn the water up, he won't jump out because it slowly gets warm and he'll end up getting cooked. Um, so, so many times we get used to the culture around us and we think this is the way things are. So we'll get jolted by something. And then we, we might react, but then we'll get used to it. In fact, I have seen this so easily in my lifetime. It's so clear to me that the boundaries of morality continue to get moved. And we are all alarmed at first, but then we get used to it. And then the boundary moves again. Oh, we're all alarmed. I tell you, what we're upset at today um, wasn't even, er, even near here 10 years ago. And what we were upset 10 years ago at, we've become just like, that's just common culture now. That's just normal. And we've begun to embrace the indoctrination of darkness into our world. You see, darkness doesn't just come. It indoctrinates. It teaches line upon line even though it doesn't make sense. And usually it's set upon feelings and attitudes rather than logic and thinking through things with a godly viewpoint. Now, we can come up with new philosophies every hundred years, every 10 years, but the Word of God has truth for us to guide us, to get us on course, to make us go in the right direction, to get our bearings straight. Okay, we need this in our lives individually. If we don't get into the Word of God, our bearings will get off course. We'll end up in the wrong direction. And those of you that have come to Christ, after you come to Christ, you begin to realize, I need to start making my decisions based on something more than just me being able to figure things out. I need some kind of compass in life. And so what do we do? We go to the Word of God. We begin to learn right and wrong. We begin to understand things that honor God and things that don't honor God through what the Word of God teaches us. So that's our guide. But beyond that, then, we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, which means God, morally, He's not going to guide me differently than you. Principally, He shouldn't be guiding me differently than you, right? But God's will might be, is going to be a little different for me than for you. He might lead me to a certain kind of job or a certain kind of whatever in life, uh, and I have to be willing to, to beyond the just reading the Word, is also have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. Amen? And then I need to let that shine out of me, okay? 
My, it's my walk, my connection, the word that I know, the relationship that I have, all of this together has to come out of me some way to affect the world around me. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And that's actually the plan of God that we're going to see today. God has an amazing plan. It's a, a brilliant plan. And we need to connect with it because we're going to see it go to work in a new way. And this, this plan has been from the beginning of, of, from, from the work of Christ. And um, it's just an amazing thing. I hope before the message is over today that you're going to have your eyes open. You're going to understand this like you haven't before and your vision. You know, we all need a vision in life. Most people are looking for something to live for. Do you know that? And so what happens? People will like, I'm going to be educated. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to understand philosophy. Or I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to be successful in business. I'm going to build a business. Or whatever. So for some people, it's like, hey, I'm going to marry the most amazing woman, right? Or the most amazing man. That's, that's their vision for a while, right? And um, so... We're made to live off of vision. And most of the time, we spend most of our lives living for things that do not profit us or that don't bring lasting life, right? Jesus told this woman at the well that we studied recently, if you'd ask of me, I would have given you waters that don't dry up. And what I, I believe we can take that as a picture that says, most of the things that we go after in life, they seem so exciting, but that well is going to dry up. And later we go, what did I spend five years of my life doing that for? And at the end of your life, ask yourself, are you going to go, I'm so glad I spent my whole life filling the gap. You see what I'm saying? And Jesus says this, I'm the fountain of life. Come to me, that fountain will never dry up. He's not saying we never have to come back to him because it's actually a connection that's continual. But that vision, that lifestyle, that walking with God is not something that's going to discourage you later where you go, man, what did I do that for? No, it's going to produce life everlasting. Amen? It bubbles up on the inside of us. It gives us life, but I'm telling you, you've got to pull your eyes off of the stuff of this world or you will run after it. You'll spend your whole life running after stuff that doesn't fulfill. Stuff in itself isn't evil, but if it's got you running after it all the time, its effect is evil on you. And I would just tell you, so many people run after the things of this world and they're still just as miserable and it doesn't matter if they get everything they're running after. They're still miserable, right? There's this proverb trying to come to my mind, but it's where, where you know, there's, there are all, all these um, uh, kinds of equations in proverbs where it, he'll start out like, this is better than that. This is better. And, and what he's doing is, He's showing the contrast between something we think is good and something that, you, that we don't. You know, like it'll say, it's better to be poor and have integrity than to be rich and not have it, right? Something like that. So, but we don't consider those kinds of things, right? We'll look at a poor man and go, oh, I don't want to be like, I'd rather be like that person. But that person doesn't have any integrity. And God's like, would you best back up and can you recognize that man that's poor is better off than that man because he sold his soul to get where he is. Do y'all see what I mean? And so, and there's another proverb that says something like, um, you know, about how, um, you know, it's, it's, it's better to have peace in the house with little than to have feasting with strife, right? He, he's trying to show something about the importance of the things that are simple and good and true. And when we begin to be lured just by more stuff, by more opportunity, again, I'm not saying those things are wrong, but I am telling you, 
It takes work to put God in front of those things because we are around them all the time, every day. We're, we're, we see success. We see these other things. We're motivated by it. If you go to work, you're going to be pushed to go in that direction. You're going to be pushed by forces that are not godly to have ungodly attitudes about life and, and about work because that's how the system works. You have to come to God every day and to get your mind clean, to get your focus back. You remember Jesus told his disciples one time, he says, look, when you go out, you know, you need to come back in. You know, he, he's giving this little example. He washes their feet. And Peter goes, oh, don't wash my feet. And Jesus goes, if I don't wash your feet, you've got no part of me. Think about that one for yourself. Okay, think about that. And then, G and then Peter goes, oh, Lord, wash every bit of me. <laughs> and Jesus goes, oh, you just need your feet to get washed. Now, he's already been cleansed, right? But you know what happens? When we go out into the world, our feet get dirty. And we need to come to Jesus every day and get our feet clean, get the world cleansed off of us, or before long, we won't be connected with him anymore. Amen? Are y'all with me? So, there is such a power in walking with God but most believers in this hour don't carry the power because they're so watered down. There's so much junk of this world, of the focus of this life, and you cannot put your focus on this world and be running after this world all the time and be distracted by this world all the time and still have the power of God. It will not work. Those two things will never go together. You've got to be willing to pull away so that you can connect. And then you've got to be able to walk in this world, but not be of it anymore. Amen? And God will raise up Joseph. People that have gone through trials that didn't give up on God, and he goes, now I can trust you with a lot of money because you give it away, and you'll be willing to give it away, and you don't care about it anymore. You see what I mean? God loves to do that. In fact, the New Testament says, God gives seed to the sower. And he's talking about finances. I just love that. God's ways are higher than our ways. You see, God wants to bless us, but he wants us to be clean on the inside, not running after that kind of stuff. Amen? Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Well, I mentioned I was going to tell you a little bit about what's going on. I know you already know all of this kind of stuff. How much crazy-ism. That's, what, that's the world we live in today. They're promoting crazyism. And under that, we could just have so many different little things, right? What's the newest thing? The latest big thing out? Transgenderism. That means you can be a woman if you want to. You can be a man if you want to. Well, how can you do that? You're already born. You were born when... No, you can make a decision that you can be whatever. A woman or a man. It's the craziest thing. I can't believe educated people will believe that. So the, the logic is this. Okay, and you got to think through this because this is flowing in many directions now. If I feel something, if I have desires, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be defined by feelings, desires, thoughts I have. And I can make a decision because... That's who I am because I feel these things. And the Word of God says the world is corrupted, brought into corruption by the desires of man and the inclinations of his heart. You see, man has become tainted by sin. And we have desires that are not right. You, you see, every one of us have had desires we've had to go no to. Amen? If you give in to those things, they will take over in your life and then you'll, it'll go further. It will not stop. And you see society that does not want to say, wait a second, this is wrong. Society that has no moral compass is going to get darker and darker and darker. There is no turning back from that and minds will become more and more dull, more and more blind. 
Do y'all see that? Now, evidence of this is this latest transgenderism thing. There's this movie a guy came out with. Um, well, I say he came out with a movie. He went and he, he started interviewing people everywhere that, that believe in transgenderism. What is a woman? And I think that's the name of it. What is a woman? So it's the funniest thing. He goes to all these accomplished doctors that are performing these operations. Some of them themselves are transgender or, or whatever. We just, there's a big clump. We just could say just whatever. You know, he, he goes to even, I forgot whether it was a professor at Harvard or Yale. And when I'm listening to the responses these people are giving him, him it just looks so stupid. And he's just asking one question. What's a woman? The first answer he always gets is, whoever says they're a woman. Well, what if they say they're a wolf? And you have one person on the program who says they're a wolf now. You know, and in fact, you know, you probably heard there's a play, there's a school where a student, I think, was responding like a cat, and the teacher was told they have to reinforce that. I mean, you're going, that's just the, the most stupid kind of thing. Anyway, what's a woman? You know, and so the answer with almost everybody is whoever says they're a woman. And he's like, but that's a circular argument. You still haven't told me what a woman is. What are they saying they are? Nobody could define it anymore. Even these professors and these brilliant people. And they look so dumb. Nobody over and over could give a definition of what a woman is other than saying whoever says they are that. Yes, but what is that? They can't define it. And if you try to define it, you have to realize something. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to believe in transgenderism. And plus it's coming from a dark mind anyway. But you see, what there is is an indoctrinating of this. Why are you going to have that in Yale or Harvard teaching class and teaching people to believe that? Why are people, why is the darkness coming to our schools, down to your elementary children, and teaching this as a, a good thing? I want you to think about the darkness, the absolute darkness of this. It's not only that people are living in darkness and living in something that's godless, but they want to indoctrinate. They want to train. They want to teach darkness and darkened minds further. And they're going down to the youngest person, to the elementary. In Canada already, if your child will say something like, they don't believe in such and such, you know, like, excuse me, let's say your child says, um, your, your boy says maybe he's a girl. If you, if you as a parent tell them something differently than that, uh, they can take your child away from you, which they've, they've already done that. Is that not crazy? I hope y'all would just, I mean, I want you to see the level of darkness that's in this. Um, and then going down to our elementary children, and I've mentioned this before, if you question, you know how insecure children are when they're young, elementary, middle school, high school age, even insecure about their looks, about their voice, about every kind of thing you could imagine, you know, and that's taken on as, well, maybe you're supposed to be a girl or maybe you're a boy, really, and you don't know that. I mean, that's the most crazy kind of thinking. For most of us here, we're all over probably 20-something right? So could you have imagined that being in your high school? Could you imagine somebody telling you that? Look how fast things are changing, you see? Now, you might go, oh, wow, this is just so crazy. I can remember, I can remember years ago just telling people, this will get worse if it doesn't turn around. And it's hard to believe it can get any worse. Ten years ago, it was hard to believe it could get any worse than it is today, and it is. You see what I mean? It's gotten definitely, clearly worse. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but every once in a while, there'll be people online defending pedophilia. How can you tell them their feelings are wrong? They're made like that. Why are you putting down people that are sexually attracted to children? You see what I'm saying? 
You might go, well, that's crazy. It's the same exact line of reasoning that's being used today about all this other stuff. You see what I'm saying? And this is, this is being defended. And I'll tell you, if, if things don't turn around before long, this will be normalized and seen as the pedophiles will be seen as a group of people that we need to honor and respect and not, not say something negative that's going to make them feel bad about what they're doing. Because you don't want them to feel bad about what they're doing. They might have cancer, but don't tell them. They make them feel bad. Do y'all, you see what I'm saying? You know, the sad thing is when you want to help somebody, as lovingly as you can, sometimes you have to tell them. A doctor sometimes has to tell somebody, you got some cancer. And if you don't work on that, get that operated on, you might die. You're probably going to die, right? But it has to make the person feel bad to hear that. But the doctor does it, hopefully because he loves the patient. What if the doctor's going, man, I don't want to make him feel bad. I, don't wanna, I know it's a mess, but I really don't want to make him feel I'm not going to tell him. I'm just going to let him keep on believing he's all right. Yeah, yeah. Would that be crazy? And you know many Christians do that with stuff that's happening today. Do y'all, do y'all know that? Oh, they're going to feel unloved. Oh, they're going to feel bad. Oh, I don't want to make them think this. And, that. and that, I mean, and, I, and there is another group that not as much as in the past, but there used to be another group that's very hateful about what they say and have a bad attitude and a bad spirit about it. And that's not good either. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. Truth in love is what's powerful. The truth with anger and whatever, that's religion. That's religion. That's what Pharisees would do, right? Anyway, um, so I could go on and on. I'll just mention some other little things in our, in our society. You know, you could look at our government. It's becoming increasingly more and more uh, large and totalitarian our freedoms aren't as secure as they used to be. One thing that everybody was shocked about just this last week is there are 87,000. They're, they're, they're hiring 87,000 more IRS agents. Who, who all wants to say hallelujah to that? Right? But what was more shocking is in, in the ad, they said this, uh, that, that you, to, to apply, you have to be willing to carry a firearm and willing to use deadly force. And of course, everybody's upset because they're going, wait a minute. They want the IRS agents to be willing to use deadly force? I mean, of course, everybody was getting upset about it, and they took it off the requirement. I mean, they just removed it, I think, like in the last 24 hours or day and a half. But you're just going, why would an IRS agent need to use deadly force? I mean, could you read the headline that day? IRS agent kills a taxpayer. You know, and then like he showed up and the taxpayer had a bad attitude, got upset, or I don't know. What what could be the reason an IRS agent would need to use deadly force? I mean, that, anyway, are you, and then you just wonder, are they trying to send a message to us through that? They removed it, but was the job done? The message is sent? These IRS agents, when they come, they're going to be armed and ready to use deadly force. I mean, you're going, I mean, I don't even get why they stuck that on there. They had to know it was going to go everywhere when they said it. Big tech is using its power more than we know. I think it was John Anthony mentioning to me the other day, said, you know, I'm just talking about something on the phone and boom, these ads just for that start popping up right there. And it's not like a normal thing, like a car, it's just some unusual something he mentioned. How many of you have ever done that? I remember the first time that started happening to me. I'd be talking to my wife about something, and then i look on my phone and hear on any kind of social media site, there pop up those ads. You know what that means? That means your phone is spying on you. That is an amazing thing. We don't think that's even important. But let me tell you, it is important. That phone is able to process what you say, relay the information, trigger something, and give you a set of information immediately, just like that, based on your conversation. That phone knows more about you than you do. 
Imagine if when China was overtaken by the Cultural Revolution or some of the things that have happened in some of these other nations that sought to control their population, imagine if they had had big tech on their side doing what they want them to do, what it would have been like. The world has never seen that happen and may it never see it happen because the power to control the population is greater than it ever has been. The power to control your pocketbook, to keep you from even being able to buy certain things, to keep you from being even able to use a bank is there now when it wasn't before. I mean, it's a crazy world we're living in with the potential for darkness. And you've got to understand this. You know, for those of you that are thinking, oh, it won't get bad, we live in a dark world. This is the way things go unless they're turned around. It's their natural progression. Just like transgenderism, just like evil government, just like evil big business and anywhere there's power. Whenever God is not injected into a society, it's going to go bad. Amen? Do y'all see that? So you don't have to wonder where the world's going to go. I know where it's going to go unless God turns things around. That's just obvious. Is that not, can you not see that? Look at this progression. Look at this progression. People brazenly steal things now. Just, it's crazy. My wife told me just like I think in the last few weeks or months, she's had two times people go in one store and just start stealing stuff in front of people. And she might, I think she's told people, hey, that person's just stealing stuff. They don't even do anything about it anymore. Why? Because we live in a culture for some crazy reason that oftentimes the the thief is the victim or the, you know, you, you can't even come against them. Who knows what might happen? Anyway, California, you've probably heard this, you know, it's de facto legal to steal under $950 there. You know, the chance of, of you getting taken to jail is like virtually nothing. Not even there. People, you've probably seen the videos. People just walk in with bags. I think they go in sometimes with shopping carts, fill it up and leave. Just have to do under $950 worth. That's the most crazy system ever. Whatever lawmakers came up with those laws that allowed that, they need to, first of all, uh, you know, be voted out by some people that have some sense and don't want this progression to continue. And secondly, they need to go to a hospital and be examined or something. But it's a moral darkness, actually, that makes them think like that. Look how stupid this is. Do y'all see how stupid this is? And do y'all realize it doesn't matter if somebody's educated. They might be a professor at Harvard. They might be a leader in your government. They might be a brilliant person and come across intellectual as an intellectual person. But if somebody is not biblically based or at least biblically influenced, and uh, hopefully we'll get into this today. But you see, even if the influence of the gospel and the light of God is in this earth, it changes everything. Even those that don't know God are influenced by your sense of right and wrong again. Their conscience is beginning to work again. Society will begin to change again. And I hope I get to that today. But I want to tell you, that's a powerful part of what God wants to do. In fact, that's what I believe God wants to do in His hour. You know, again, you just, there's so many things happen, happening in this world. And what does the Bible teach us about this world? Well, first of all, something that I don't like, but somehow Satan, in some point, was given some place of authority in this earth. I don't want to get into all of that and the theories and doctrines behind all of that. But it says that Satan is the God of this world. Okay? This world system, how this world functions, right? And this world, whether it's through the media or whatever, when it's not influenced by God, it's being used as a tool orchestrated 
by the prince of darkness himself. Do y'all see that? Whether it's subtle or, or overt. And, you know, just like God has his people and, and we, we follow the Lord, the devil has people he's using too. All right? The Bible says also there is darkness in this world. It's the normal condition of this world is darkness. The normal condition in this world is not light. It's darkness. What happens without any intervention is darkness. It's going in the wrong direction. That's just going to happen if it's just left to itself, right? But the powerful part here is where it says and teaches us in the Word of God that the church is what? Light. The church is light. And it says, and we'll, we'll get into this in a minute, but it says this, everywhere the church will shine, well, we will shine, what does it do? It confronts that darkness. The darkness will fight against it, but never overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome the light. It won't work. Amen? Amen. So, the key that I'm really wanting to get into your mind right now is for us to be the light. Be the light. Let God shine through us. And I want to change your understanding of what that means a little bit because most of the time we just think that means to live and not sin, to be nice to people, right? I believe it means a lot more than that. I'll get, we'll get into that in just a couple minutes. But um, getting back to this point about us being the light, listen to this. This is very powerful, and I hope you understand this. When God sent Jesus into the earth, it was not just one thing he wanted to accomplish. Okay, first of all, he sent his son that whoever believes might be saved, right? So only through Christ can we be saved. Only through Christ can we be cleansed from our sins. And what happens? We get restored back to God. Okay? But that's not all it's about. Remember, this world is darkness, full of darkness. Satan is the ruler of this world. This is so powerful. When God did what he did and he saved man, and then 40 days later after the resurrection, he filled him with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what God just did? He just invaded the earth. Do y'all see what I'm saying? He invaded the earth with light bearers that would shine the light throughout this earth and break the power of darkness that's been over all the earth and bring truth and goodness and love back into man's heart and back in, even to society. It's happened so many times before, but this was God's plan. So those people that have received the born-again experience, it's not just about going to heaven. It's about living connected with Him down here, walking this out. You have, you have an assignment now, and your big assignment isn't to, to build a business or to... There's something bigger than that. It's to shine that light. It's to bring that kingdom into the earth, that big, big, big picture that God has. He wants to bring and light into the whole earth. I love that verse that says, as surely as I live, uh, and, you know, and just as sure as the, uh, you know, the waters cover the sea, the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth. Amen. Think about that. How's that going to happen? It's going to be believers full of the light of God, shining God out of their lives. Amen? Amen. But listen to this. 1 Peter 2.9. He called you out of where? Darkness. You had darkness in you. You were one with the darkness. If you haven't given your life to God, darkness is still a major part of some part of your life. All right? He called you out of darkness into his wonderful 
light. Amen. First Peter 2, 9. And then Jesus also said this when he was here. You are the light of the world. You. In this verse, he's not saying, I am the light. He's going, you are the light. How are you going to be the light? Because you got God on the inside of you. You've got the Holy Spirit. And it's not just because I'm a Christian. No, you've got to have that thing flowing. Amen. You need the fullness of God. You are the light of God. Let your light shine. Now listen to this. Let your light shine before men. And what he says here is, don't stick your light under a basket. It doesn't do any good there. You see, now, what's he saying there? Is he just saying, oh, don't just do good things under a basket. He's not talking about doing good things. Nobody tries to hide, hide good deeds under a basket, right? But what do we put under a basket when we get the light? You realize there's certain things you want to hide about your faith when you get saved? You know what I'm saying? And God goes, don't be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous generation. Why? Because that's the key to winning this generation. It's letting the light out. Amen? He said, he, so anyway, he goes, don't hide that light. Let it shine in such a way that men will see the light and give glory to God. Amen? You've got to begin to let the light out. You've got to get the connection to God, and that's got to flow out of you to this world. And then Jesus says this, excuse me, this was written by Paul. You were once darkness, but now you're light. Walk as children as light of light, because of light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Test and prove what pleases the Lord. Don't fellowship with darkness anymore, but rather expose these works of darkness by the light. Amen. How are you going to expose works of darkness by the light? You've got to begin to speak truth in love. Amen. And you've got to be filled with the power of God and the grace of God. And I am telling you there's a huge difference between the man who walks with God, who has a prayer life, who connects with the Lord and it comes out of his heart, and the man who just has a religion and all he is is upset at everybody. Amen. Y'all see what I'm saying? God can give you righteous anger about what's going on in the world, but that's different than fleshly anger. I hope you're with me here. All right. Now, I just want to just share a little bit more. I'm, um, but anyway, this light, this light does enlighten us, okay? But I want to make this really clear this light is going to change culture. I believe God intended for the light to change culture. Um, does it mean that there'll never be any darkness? No, not by any means. But I do believe that God wants to change culture. If you look in Acts 17, it, it's, it was said of those first believers, these men have turned the world upside down. What does that mean? That means society was being changed because of what was going on through these men. In, in Ephesus, y'all know Ephesus was like, it was like Austin or like Chapel Hill, North Carolina, right? Very new agey, you know, new age kind of place. And in Acts chapter 19, those have been practicing, we're going to study Acts chapter 19 probably in a few weeks. Those practicing witchcraft and sorcery they confessed and brought their books and burned them. Think about that. By the way, do y'all know today, there's so many churches, they even teach you that this stuff isn't even real. There is no witchcraft. There's no sorcery. I'm like, well, it's all in the Bible. I mean, I can't even understand that. It's so clear. I mean, from, from the beginning, in Genesis, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Clearly there. And how, why, that's just a doctrine of a demon in my mind too. You know, people just don't know better. But anyway, um, these people in, I don't want to say Austin, uh, Ephesus, uh, Ephesus, okay. These people in Ephesus were practicing witchcraft and sorcery. They heard the gospel. And guess what they did? They came and they burned their New Age books. They burned their sorcery books. 
Why did they burn those books? Because somebody told them it was real and somebody told them it's an affront to God and somebody told them you better not get near that junk. Don't play around with it and don't act like it's nothing. And guess what? The fear of God came on them and they were burning their books. Now, you know it says, I, I forgot the Jewish or the, the, the Greek word that was used, but they burned a certain amount of books. You know the, the value of those books today? Over like $7 million. I want you to just back up and think of this. Ephesus was smaller than Houston. But could you imagine a move of God so big in Houston where people are turning away from witchcraft and new age that $7 million worth of books come to some place where they do a big bonfire? Do y'all see what I'm saying? Even if it were $7 million in this place, which is much bigger than Ephesus was, you go, man, God is moving. Our whole city's changing. It's not the same anymore. Would you not? That's what happened to that city. The whole city was being changed. This whole new agey city was being changed. You might think there's no hope for certain cities. Let me just say, God can move in any city. It's going to take the power of God, and it's going to take people that believe in this kind of power. You've got to have a vision for this kind of power to be flowing. And when it's not there, you need to pray that you get it. You need to pray that your church gets it. If there's powerlessness in your life, you need to pray and go to God for power. If there's powerlessness in your church, you need to pray and let there be power in your church. I was reading once about this man. He was used in the Second Great Awakening. And he said he would begin to notice when the power of God would ebb from his ministry. And he saw less and less happening. And he would go then and go devote himself to prayer and fasting. And he'd say, that would come back. I would feel the power of God come back and begin to use me again, just in that same way. And you see, the church needs to begin to be honest and go, where is the power? You remember there was a time when a young man named Elisha has been watching Elijah full of power. He was taken up. And then uh, he's, he was supposed to then walk in power. And it represents Jesus going up, and the church supposed to walk in the power, right? And what did Elijah say? Where is the God of Elijah? That's what Elisha said. And then he picks up that mantle, and he strikes the water with it. And you see, the church needs to recognize the Holy Spirit has come upon us. It's fallen. It's there for us to pick up, but we're going to have to pick up that mantle. We've got to have that power. The light needs to come out of us. I am telling you, we might die for what we believe. You see, we might be persecuted for what we believe. But when you're connected to God and you've let go of everything, you don't care about that. That sounds crazy. But you, you get so set free from this world. You don't care about stuff. You don't care about you, your trust in God's going to take care of you. You're getting free, and all you want is more of God. You want to see breakthrough. Everywhere you go, you want to see breakthrough. God, give me breakthrough in this ninth floor of the hospital that I work on. God, give me, give me a breakthrough in, in this business, this manufacturing plant I work in. God, give me breakthrough. You begin to want to take ground wherever you are, and you're wanting that light to shine through you. You want to see people come out of darkness. You begin to recognize people, and they're in bondage to stuff. Some of them will be angry at you, but you love them anyway because you realize they're in bondage. And you begin to pray for them. And you begin to pray for those that are persecuting you instead of getting angry at them. And you begin to see the power of God come upon you and the power of God touch your workplace or wherever you are. And that's how this thing begins. We'll see more about this next week, but there's so much of this that's going on. I believe even already behind the scenes, there's a group of people a remnant, if you want to call it, that's crying out to God and saying, God, fill us with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the pattern that's been throughout history that started in Acts, you've got a group of consecrated people praying, God, pour out your Spirit. They knew there was a promise. They were waiting. They were praying. They're, what are they praying for? God, fill us with that Spirit. God, prepare us for Lord. 
And, and what happened? The Holy Spirit fell. Now, God so designed it that they're consecrated people the Holy Spirit fell on. Do y'all see that? Those of you that know the Bible, you understand what I'm saying? If you don't, it's not hard. Just read the first four chapters of the Bible, of, uh, excuse me, of Acts, and you'll get it. But you got this consecrated group of people. Not, they know they need more. They know more is coming. They know God's promised something. And because God's promised it, they're there. They're not moving till they get it. They're praying, praying. Boom, the power comes on, on consecrated ones. God so designed that there would be consecrated ones there that day, right? Ready, who've been praying, who've been preparing their hearts, who've been asking for the outpouring. Yeah, okay, praise God, I promised, here it is. Boom, right? But when it hit the consecrated ones, guess what else happened? It, went, it hit the whole city. You see what I'm saying? When there's a group that'll consecrate themselves and just want God, willing to lay down their lives and just want the power of God, the power of God's going to come. And it's not just going to touch them. It's going to touch everybody around them. And that's why churches need to want the power of God. And there need to be people in churches praying for the power of God. Because when people come to church, they, need, they don't just need a nice little message. You can go hear whoever, New Age, Tony Robbins, or whoever's out there teaching whatever to encourage you. Hey, I can live to... You need the power of God to touch you. Amen. We need encouragement, but you need more than that. You've got to have the power of God touch your life. I want God to deal with you. I love it when people call me and God's starting to work in their life. Hey, I, you know, they, they start to tell me things. I'm going, hey, God's already started working. You know, let's watch. Let's see what he does. And God's working in people right now. You know, those raindrops I was talking about. I can't remember if I was doing it in the message or before the message when I was talking to you guys. But when those rain, those raindrops are starting to fall, and it's been because there's some consecrated people that have been praying all over this nation. And there have been some that have been praying in this church. And if you're here and you're part of this church, I want to say, you know, I want to encourage you. Rise up. Press into what I'm sharing today. Be a part of the light. Be willing to let go of where you've been, right? And press into the new things. Press into God. Let go of that. You know what? I'm not saying don't do this, don't do that. But I'm saying you need to prioritize God so much more than those other things. Yes, let's prosper. Yes, let's do well financially. Let's do all we, but let's not ever make that our focus. And let's always be willing to lay down our lives, to be willing to go through whatever we have to go through, amen, to get the job done. God will always take care of us, amen? Let's do God's will. Let's focus on Him. Well, I'm going to just stop right here. We're going to get more into the book of Acts next week. And I trust God is going to really give you what you need in this hour to pop out of the season you've been into that you've been in to go to the season that you're going into. How many of you want to go to a new season spiritually? Okay, I don't want to, don't answer this one, but how many of you have been thinking it's going to happen just because you're thinking of a natural new season? God's like, put your spiritual things first and watch the other things flow behind. Amen? Amen? God will give you a new spiritual season. It can start right now if you're willing. If you want to submit, maybe you're here today and you realize you've been focusing. Maybe you're a believer, but you've not been focusing on God. You've been focusing on this world. You know, it's distracting you. The Word of God says that the cares or the worries or the distractions of this life make the Word of God of no effect. Do you know what that says? If you're distracted and focusing on other things too much, more than God, it makes the Word of God not have the power it's supposed to have. That's a very phenomenal verse to think about, okay? Maybe you realize that's you. Maybe you need to go, God, you know what? I want to, I want to reprioritize my life. I'm going to put that other stuff like nothing. You, you said in your word you'd, bring, you'd add that to me if I'd put you first, if I'd put the kingdom first, if I'd line my life up with kingdom. So you might be a believer today, but your life's not lined up. Your life's not like this every day. Your life's not dependent on getting something from Him every day. You, you see, you should be so connected to God that if you go a day without prayer, you're going, oh, I'm really missing something. Oh, I'm really missing something. You see, so maybe that's you. Maybe you've been looking at this stuff going, you know, what, am I, what should I do? What's my next step? I want to just tell you today, if you've not given your life absolutely to God, if you've not surrendered, you need to surrender today and trust Him. Maybe you go, oh, I can't let go of this. I can't, how am I going to do this? 
confess your sins to God, confess your condition to God. If you tell God exactly where you are, you tell God where you, what you're dealing with. You know, um, I, and I, I've been sharing this with someone just recently. If you'll be honest about where you are and go, God, I want to serve you. Help me. You see the area of my life that's my idol or where I, what, what I don't want to give up. I don't want to be that way. I am telling you, if you will cry out to God, and this is what it says in James to do. If you'll cry out to God and you'll acknowledge that to God, he'll have mercy on you and he'll change your heart. Amen? Or wherever you are today, I just want to pray. And I just want to commit, I want you to commit yourself to go forward. I don't care how old you are in God. If you're not going forward, you're in trouble. If you're not growing, you're in trouble. If you don't desire God more, you're in trouble. You're going backwards. There's no middle ground with God. There's no, I'm just going to stay at this place with God. You've either got to go forward or you're going to go backwards. Amen? God, we want to thank you, Lord, that even in the middle of this dark world, God, you have a plan. You have raised us up. You've saved us. God, you have brought us to you, Lord, and you got a plan, Lord, and we want to be more free than we've ever been. Lord, we just confess, God, somehow the, the attitude of the American church or the church of this age has sort of touched on us in some way. And God, we don't want that. We want to be so free from the things of this world. And God, so free from running after stuff. God, we just pray right now, Lord, show us your way. Here we are, God. We're confessing, Lord, we don't even know all the issues of our hearts, but God, we're saying, Lord, bring us forward. And God, fill us full of God. Lord, here we are consecrating ourselves to you. Lord, we pray, pour out your Holy Spirit. God, we're willing to lay down our lives for you. God, we're willing to go forward. Now empower us to do it. Empower us to carry forth your gospel. Empower us to see demons come out of people's lives. Empower us to bring light into our workplaces, light into our neighborhoods, light into our families, light into this nation, light into our cities, light into our church. God, empower us, we pray, by the power of God and the Holy Spirit. Here we are today because we have a promise. We know your word and we're standing here, God, believing you, asking you that you fulfill your word and that you fill us with the light and the power and the glory of God again. And God, that through us you shine in an amazing way. Lord, we just thank you. The world won't be able to do anything. It may kill us, but it'll never put the light out. We thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.